Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hey guys, Perry here to tell you a little bit about Pluto TV. It's the leading free streaming television service where you can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for your credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is the easiest and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, your Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Hello, everyone. It is Monday, and that means we're doing our box office recap. And on top of that, we're talking about Spider-Man Far From Home because Kevin Feige has reconfirmed that that movie will end phase three of the MCU. We're going to dig into all the details and make some predictions for phase four. And I have the pleasure of doing that this Monday with 
John Roca and Jabby Kawai. Hello. Roca, you're always here. Hi, happy to see you. Jabby, welcome back. I'm always here too now, apparently. <laughs> you are. I like this. <laughs> Except uh, everyone needs that fancy goblet glass if you got one. Do you have one for the entire group? No, it's only for the, uh, you know, kings of the world. Dare so I ask what's in that? He, he iced tea. Very he, sweet iced no. tea. Better be. Oh, man. I was going to say, you're celebrating my presence with the best scotch. I am, yes. Jabby Kawai is only. Here. That can only happen if you bring one for the whole group, and that's not today. But today is box office day let's get into it we have the actual numbers here number one at the box office of course toy story 4 it wound up making 120.9 million dollars then number two went to child's play which made 14.1 million aladdin took the three spot with 13.2 million then it's men in black international with 10.7 million and finally the secret life of pets coming in at number five with 10.3 million dollars roca yep. you look at the chart right now anything in particular that stands out to you well i mean if i know we're going to talk about uh toy story so let me jump into child's play I thought Child's Play was a bit of a surprise considering how these horror films over the last year, and I mean 12 months, have really exploded onto the scene in terms of shocking box office numbers. And so to see Child's Play, which everyone seems to love from the 80s, to see it being rebooted in this way, I was surprised that it only came in at the numbers it came in. It was predicted to be about 1820, but we saw that for, for us, and us like blew that prediction out of the water, their, their pre-box office predictions out of the water. So I'm a little surprised by this. And the C-plus or C-cinema score doesn't bode well. I know some horrors get C-cinema scores still do. I just don't think this is one of those that's going to get there and then I just I, it's a shame because Aubrey Plaza is fantastic Gabriel Bateman mm. is great I love Mark Hamill but I'm really surprised that the horror fans did not come out for this one months ago if you had asked me I would have predicted a much higher number yeah. but leading up to the release checking certain ticket sales it looked like it was going to underperform for me I think I went with something like 15 million on yeah. it which was under expectations but you know when you think about it it made 14 million dollars on I believe a 10 million dollar production budget so it wasn't a complete loss but yeah given what you said about how horror movies are doing right now you would expect a bigger number, especially for bringing back an iconic franchise yeah. like this. But I think this speaks to a much larger question that kind of paves the way to us talking about Toy Story 4 right now. Yeah. And it's the issue of an oversaturated market. And while it is great that Avengers Endgame made as much money as it did... I suspect that we are feeling the ripple effect of a movie making such a significant amount and it's kind of sucking the air out of the room for mm. everything. Whether it's direct competition like another superhero movie or even a horror movie, I just get the feeling like many people out there saved and spent their money on a movie like Avengers Endgame and that could also be why Toy Story 4, even though it made a lot of money and it's officially the highest opening weekend for the Toy Story franchise, it underperformed by a good deal. So that is kind of what I think we are seeing happening right now. Jabby, is there any other reason Toy Story 4 did not... I mean, forget even just hit $140 million, which is what Disney expected. I mean, we were talking a couple months ago about it topping Incredibles 2 mm. and becoming the highest opening at the domestic box office for an animated movie of all time, and it came nowhere close to making that happen. Right. Have you guys paid attention to the billboards at all for Toy Story? Yeah, of Beca course. It looked... Like an Forky. indie film to me. Mm. Like, it was very simple. Most of the billboards I've noticed have to do with Woody in front of a Ferris wheel. And it's nothing super exciting like you traditionally see these days where it'll grab a kid's, uh, you know, attention and go, oh, I want to watch that, mommy. Mm. <laughs> you know, with that deep voice. <laughs> 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 you know? 
Uh, that, that was, that's what caught my attention. I feel like most of the people that watch Toy Story, it's all legacy. Like, mm. they've been following this since they were kids, and so now they're taking their kids to see it, maybe begrudgingly. Maybe the mm. kids didn't want to see it initially because they haven't been keeping up with it their whole lives like, like their parents did. Do you think that had anything to do with it, Roka? I think that's really possible. Certainly, if you touch on the marketing campaign, the trailers did nothing, I think, for this uh, installment of the Toy Story franchise. It didn't excite people. I didn't like any of them. And then when I walked in the theater and enjoyed it, it was akin to Aladdin. I didn't know what to expect. I walked in, had a great time, laughed more than I'd laughed in any other Toy Story installment. But I think what it really has to do with is I think people underestimated how much people don't need another Toy Story. Finding Nemo and The Incredibles are a separate thing. They just have a separate reverence in the Pixar-loving community. I think Toy Story is revered. I don't. I think to- people were done with Toy Story 3, and I think they see this Toy Story 4, and they didn't come out in the same numbers because, like, I don't know if I need it. I'm good. We ended it at 3. They all hug. Everything worked out. We're fine. And this is a Woody story only and buzz almost becomes an afterthought in that movie and that's a terrible thing yeah. you bringing that I, up is a very fair point though because the conversations we were largely having yeah. and it's because toy story 3 has such a, a powerful finality to it is yeah. we were constantly talking about oh like why do we need this movie why are they even bothering to continue when you have this great little trilogy there and then after i had seen it they proved to me that they had a good reason to continue the right. franchise. But these numbers, we're talking about all the moviegoers out there in the world. We are basically required to see the movie because yeah. it's our job and we have access to these screenings. But for someone out there making the decision, mm-hmm. Toy Story 3 might have been enough and maybe they just weren't open to a fourth. I don't think that has anything to do with it. People, you don't? Yeah, people, people having enough Toy Story. I, I, I liked the idea of another Toy Story because I, I grew up with it and I wanted to see more. I would love mm-hmm. to see 10 more Toy Stories if they have those mm-hmm. stories and it's not like burning itself out. But I, I'm just wondering how animations have been performing in general lately over the past few years because you got Netflix and it's like, mm-hmm. it's just instant, easy you know, access. During the summer, you can borrow mom's phone and just watch animations there. Why do you have to go to the theater? You can just wait for Toy Story. Well, to Pixar is an event type of thing. So people you know. go to it because of that. But you, you, uh, uh, the thing that you might be alluding to though is interesting. There have been more Pixar films of the last few years, I think in terms of number and volume than, before, than in previous years. So you start to wonder how many sequels of Pixar are coming out rather than original stuff and that could affect it as well we do have two originals on the way with Onward and Soul which could solve that problem but I do but I to a lot of people I spoke a lot of my friends and people know how many friends they they were like well what's the why do we need a Toy Story for there was no rush to go see it so I wonder if that's a part of it there's a great chat question right now that is Mm. kind of going off what you were just saying but more specifically to Disney animation Steve Calderon is asking since Toy Story 4 failed to beat Incredibles 2 opening will frozen to have a better shot or open higher Absolutely. than toy story without a doubt without so? a really? doubt frozen is going to crush all the other pixar numbers are you kidding me i don't know i feel like frozen has such a strong following <coughs> i mean it do- it definitely has a very strong following but if you know we rewound to last year and you asked me of all the Pixar movies, which is going to take the record, Toy Story, a juggernaut of a franchise, versus Incredibles, which I knew yeah. had a big fan base, but mm-hmm. was only one movie. 
I probably at that point in time would have put my money on Toy Story 4. Yeah, but if you're if you're comparing Toy Story and Frozen, I would have bet on Frozen easily. You probably would have been right because I've been reading I mean there's a million and one thing pieces on what happened with Toy Story 4 out there and I believe it might have been the deadline piece. Yeah, it was the deadline piece. I have that note here. They had a small paragraph on the idea of a number 2 in a franchise versus a number exactly. 4 yep. being able to do better and given the fact that we are at Frozen 2, maybe it's, you know, it's that thing where people have had enough of Toy Story movies and they have not had enough of Frozen movies. So who knows? That could boost it up a little more than this one did. And we'll see because that first trailer was really dark. And the second trailer was like, what is this all about? Great imagery, but what is it really about? So I, we'll see as this gets closer and closer how the marketing handles that. I hear your point. Obviously, yeah. we have. I mean, this is the time. This is the year of fe- or last two years of female-led films doing really well at the box office. Yeah. Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman last year, what have you. It's been doing really well. We'll see if Frozen does follows that trend as well, or if people go, maybe this is something you said earlier, the idea of animation. There's no rush to go out and see animation at the level that there was before. It's certainly possible. You just brought up something interesting that I didn't even consider. Oh, my God, thank you. Um, I appreciate it. You, you, I mean, Bo Peep was a much stronger character yes. in this Toy Story than any other Toy, and any other, uh, toy Story that's come before it. Right. And I'm wondering... Wondering if, female character. I'm yeah, wondering if, if Jesse. Pe- right. I'm wondering if people are getting frustrated at all with the strong female characters coming out in all these films. Like now, you took Toy Story also. Like you there know? is, a, I think there is a minority contingent of those people. Yeah. But every time we think that's happening, that piece of media comes out and demolishes at the box. Right. I mean, I so, love Bo Peep. Just I think it is for the minor. record. No, I know yeah. it was great, but I agree with you about the marketing thing earlier. I think the marketing was terrible for this, yeah. and in the end, I think it bit them in the ass. And maybe they'll stay around for a while and leg it out. And make their money and do. Go ahead, they're going to. Yeah. They're yeah. going to. And yeah. they're in really good shape. So when we yeah. go back to Child's Play, I think, unfortunately, and I enjoy Child's Play, so yeah. I am rooting for it. Child's Play is screwed yeah. this weekend with it's Annabelle DOA. Comes Home coming yeah. out. But with Toy Story 4, there isn't really a four quadrant movie coming out again until The Lion King in mm. mid July. And then I think. Well, oh, it's it's a even longer period of time until we get another animated yeah. movie. So this thing could be around for quite a while, especially with the July Fourth holiday coming up, where the box office is hopefully going to get another boost mm. and it's going to make even more money. So even though the opening weekend didn't set the records that many were hoping for, it could wind up doing well in the long run. It was the fourth biggest opening for an animation of all time. Right, Toy Story four, fourth biggest it opening. Is. How about that? I feel like the cloud immediately rolls in, though, when the studio expectations were released yeah. as 140 million. And also, we had an inflated number at the very beginning when pre-sales first started. That's when we got all those yeah. headlines that say, "Ooh, I think those reports that something like it was on track to make." Like it was 10% ahead of Incredibles 2, and everyone's saying, like, oh, $200 million plus is a possibility. And, you know, look what happened. It disappointed, still made a lot of money, and hopefully this franchise still has a very bright future. Because I think this was an excellent installment, and they have a lot more story they could tell. They're going to make so much money on Spork Toys. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, wait, not to move on too, too fast. They sent me a Forky. Mm. It was a Forky, like, in a little shoe box, and they gave me, like, super easy instructions to follow. That thing was difficult to put together. I don't know (laughs) if, like, I'm just not artsy-fartsy enough like Wendy is with that kind of stuff, but also I had a cat, like, Dewey was busy knocking over the spork every chance he got, but that thing was difficult to put together. Check out my handiwork on my Instagram, please, because I... 
was sweating over that damn thing. I'm just happy they sold like actual toys as opposed to sporks. Like well, real someone, sporks. Someone made the joke. It's like you can buy what is it like a twelve, thirteen dollar Funko Pop of Forky, or you could just like go and grab a free spork at a restaurant somewhere. Mm. Yeah. So that's true. I don't know. You can pick and choose how <laughs> you acquire your own Forky. All right. Before we move on to story number two, which is the future of the MCU. We've got some stuff to promo for you right now, like Rilla 2. Check this out. Hey guys, Riley here, and let me tell you about Rule of Two. You looking for a Star Wars fix? Well, Rule of Two is that show. It drops on Collider Video's main YouTube channel, as well as on Podcast One's Jedi Council feed. So go over there, subscribe, share it with your friends. It's hosted by myself and Mark Fernandez. We talk everything in the Star Wars universe with a lot of deep dives and a lot of conversations that go all in. You know what to do. Subscribe, join us there, and rise. In addition to Rule of Two... You can't miss Collider Heroes this week. So on Collider Heroes, that's where you're going to find out who is the guest on the next episode of Comic Book Shopping. And I might know the answer. And trust me, you don't want to miss this. You're going to be so excited. I'm definitely excited and so happy for Koi and the team. So give that a watch. Story number two now. So... Kevin Feige did say something similar back in April, but reports are swirling now again about Spider-Man Far From Home being the movie to end Phase 3 of the MCU, not Avengers Endgame. Specifically, he told ComicBook.com, we've been working for many years on Infinity War and Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home. Those were the films that were culminating the entire Infinity Saga of the MCU, and as we were working on Endgame, we realized that the true end of the entire Infinity Saga, the final film film of phase three had to be spider-man far from home because spoiler we lose tony stark at the end of endgame the relationship between peter parker and tony stark is so special so we did know that but now that we have all seen endgame it is well worth revisiting this again first off does it surprise you at all that far from home and not a movie with again speaking of you know what we were just talking about with toy story such finality like mm. Endgame. Mm. do you think it's a smart move for that not to be the end and for this to be the end i'm of two minds about it on the one hand it seems kind of arbitrary because phase two ended with ant-man but on the other hand i'm like well but this is kind of like an episode 10 of game of thrones in a way where you have that kind of wind mm. down because you're dealing with the aftermath you know what I'm saying? Feels like, like a I, good comparison. I don't know. It's, that's, that's what popped it. into my head. Because in the commercial, they're illustrating how Peter Parker's dealing with that aftermath himself and how he's becoming more of a man, has to step up to the plate. Mm. And it does lead us into Phase 4, I think, nicely. I think you're absolutely right. That's what I was thinking, too. Game of Thrones, or what they call, what, what they say, the denouement. When you go to the uh, climax of anything, and then there's the denouement, which is the coming down from that climax. Right. And you can't, uh, you know, it's a great rousing ending, and we get that funeral scene but we need something more to help us move into the next phase. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home does that. And from what everyone is saying on their tweets who've seen it, that second half of the film is really going to show us something and is going to be full of surprises and possible changes or what have you coming down the road. I haven't seen it, so I have no idea. But there's everyone's teasing that. And supposedly an, and a post-credit scene that is going to change everything. So there's a lot here in this last half of the Spider-Man film that's going to move us forward. And I think it's smart. You don't want to start phase four with someone else's property. That 
That makes no sense. That's Sony's property. So your MCU, your Marvel, you got to start your, with one of your films, not with one of their films. And that contract's up here after this next film they do. So who knows if he's going to stay in the MCU or not. It depends on negotiations. You hope so, but you never know. So this is, I think this is a smart move. I think Feige knew what he was doing ahead of time, and this just makes all the sense in the world business-wise. I definitely think they knew what they were doing well ahead of time. Mm. I just found it funny that even though this news broke before Endgame, Endgame finished with like such a strong yeah. gut punch that I had completely forgotten about it. And then today it breaks again and I'm like, oh, yeah. like, that was a thing before. <laughs> but now that I am thinking about it, having, you know, settled down with my three viewings of Avengers Endgame, this makes a lot of sense. And you're going to like what I'm about to say, because okay. I think this adds weight to what you've been saying mm-hmm. for a long, long time, which is. Spider-Man Peter Parker is going to have like a real leadership role in the Avengers because to me, this movie could maybe be about him processing what happened to Tony and him ending up in a place where he can be a leader. So that's kind of what I'm predicting with phase four now that we have this confirmation that this is the case with how the phases are structured. Mm. Given that we know this now, what do you guys think? Have any of your predictions with phase four, the MCU changed at all? I make no predictions. That's not what I do. <laughs> I just watch. I just sit and wait because I'll just get sad if I make a Quit, prediction. Give him a drink of your goblet. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll make a prediction the then. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, this will. I think we're not going to see an Avengers team until the way end mm-hmm. of Phase Four, and I think this only reaffirms that because if Peter's going to be in charge, Peter's still young, as you've been saying over and over again, Perry, uh, and so he's got to have some time in this role to grow into this leadership role. So maybe he's in other movies if they can work him in, if they negotiate the contract. Other people are in other movies. What's going to happen with the Disney Plus TV shows? How's that going to affect things? So there's a lot that needs to be worked out here, but I think by the end of this thing, Peter will be in charge of the Avengers and we'll have a more solid team to go forward. I'm the mo- I'm most excited about Doctor Strange too. Yeah, me too. That's man. the thing I'm really that's got excited me excited. About that also. Like, unlike a lot of people, like Doctor Strange is actually up there with my favorite MCU that's films. Top five for me. Yeah, of the MCU. Okay, well, cool. Yeah, I love We're it. We're in good company here. Well, I re- yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I can go as far to say it's top five, but I was just rewatching it the other week actually, and it's it's really good, oh, and yeah. it's just like a really tight introduction story too. I just mm-hmm. love the way that it's formatted, and obviously the colors and how it's shot. So mm-hmm. hopefully. In the next month, maybe, we'll get some sort of actual slate so we can stop speculating and have a little more official meat to work with in these conversations. But as we hear more about the MCU and its future, you can bet that we will keep you informed on it all. All right. Let's take some questions from the live chat. Here's one from Jovan Anthony who's asking, does a Flash Gordon animated film dooms hopes of a, oh, does a Flash Gordon animated film doom hopes for a live action one? So they mm. announced today that we are getting a an animated uh, Flash Gordon mm. movie from, I believe, Taika Waititi. Yep. I don't think oh they confirmed God. if he is directing or not, but he is involved in some capacity. So does that mean we're not going to get a live action one anytime soon? I don't think that's true. We had a Deadpool live action and a Deadpool animated series in the work with Donald Glover, and we've had numerous Spider-Man animated series. I was about to series. say Spider-Man. That's yeah, the next the, thing I was going to mention. A live action. Two, <laughs> two different mediums serving two different audiences. You know, And so uh, to me, I think that's certainly not out of their own possibility. depends on who you get to direct it and who you get to star in it. But let me warn you, as we just saw with Child's Play and numerous other 80s properties trying to make a comeback, it is no guarantee that it will be a uh, home run to br- do a Flash Gordon animated film. 
We might have moved on completely from yeah. all our 80s stuff, I think. Who, who would be your ideal Flash Gordon? Jesus. Mm. That's a hell of a question. For someone um, who doesn't like to come up with theories yeah. and predictions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sam, Sam Jones is actually a family friend of mine. Yeah, like I've I known him like since I was a kid. It's not hard to have a family friend in Sam Jones. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Sam will be anybody. No, he's a cool guy. He's a cool dude. Yeah, he's a yeah. cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to see him don the costume again. <laughs> old Flash Gordon. No, come back. <laughs> I feel like we need I more old answer. I feel like we need more old superheroes. Like if we did Batman like Beyond. Like Kingdom Come? Batman Beyond? Yeah. Yeah. You know, older superheroes is cool. Spider-Man Reign? So did you think, oh, you're busy chugging your drink now. What's That's supposed not to look okay. like? What do you want him to look like? And I can give you something, I think. Blonde? But yeah, the tr- whatever traditional Flash Gordon is. He's blonde and, you know. Muscular. Muscular. I mean, who, how many people do we have like that? I don't know that we have anybody like that. Thor. <laughs> yeah, Chris Hansen's oh, wow. a perfect Flash Gordon. Yeah. Holy Hi. crap, that's a great choice. Well, you know, he's not leaving the industry. I'm trying to think yeah. of like well, American Men in actors. Black doesn't pan out. Yeah. He'll have another you know franchise opening in his schedule. That's fair, that's fair. That's yeah. out of me now, I feel bad. <laughs> Just to clarify, uh, this came from an exclusive over a Deadline, and the way that they worded it is that Fox slash Disney has attached Thor Ragnarok director Taika Waititi to crack Flash Gordon mm. as an animated feature film. So that is the way they word his involvement in the film right now. Let's grab a question from the live chat. Another one about Flash Gordon. Gordon. Oh Roger God. Alvarado is asking, do you think current and newer generations even know the Flash Gordon property? I've never seen it and didn't hear about it until I started watching you guys. So o- Only because of Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane like, popularized him, I think, with oh, Ted. That's a good point. You know, mm-hmm. He made him a whole character in the movie. I mean... When I think about things like this, though, I always have that issue come to mind because we've had a lot of that recently where it's like bringing back a super old classic. And it's like, does that even like do they have any weight to swing around? It's uh, a yeah. dirty, rotten scoundrels. Right. Yeah. With um, with what Rebel was that? Uh, the, the hustle, the, the hustle. hustle. Right. So the hustle comes out and the hustle just it feels like it fell flat on its yep. face to me. But then they didn't even use that name recognition right. in its promotional campaign for much at all. Yeah. It definitely didn't get them anywhere. Well, there's no concrete way, right? But you know with something like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, it's smart to use that name recognition. With other properties, maybe not so much because you don't need to use that name recognition. But with this, definitely. But look, we and I don't want to we saw this with Power Rangers. I think we're, I think Dune is in trouble as well. I know yeah. they I know they cast everybody. I think Dorian got cast yesterday. I, everybody's in that <laughs> damn film. But I'm telling you right now, I don't think that movie is going to do well. I just right. really don't. I know a lot of people think but how many people have actually read the damn book? Not a lot of people at at least to the tune of like $200 million, $150 million opening. I don't think so. And Flash Gordon, absolutely. I don't think a lot of people know who Flash Gordon is. Past what their dad or grandpa tells them about Flash Gordon. Netflix invested in uh, making a Labyrinth series. Yeah. Know? And and a, what's the trailer they just released? Dark for that? Crystal? The Dark Crystal. Yeah. I don't know. You don't think so? I don't, you don't think, think so. I mean, but, the, but, but to what you're saying, it's like a lot of kids don't know about that stuff, but right. they're bringing it back. Yeah, because well, they think the adults will That's watch. the beauty and the difficulty of it all. It's like I've grown to really appreciate the whole, you know, the remake generation that we're in right now because at least it'll also drive people to the original property, mm-hmm. hopefully. But, you know, at the same time, it feels like a lot of studios are leaning on those for the built-in viewership. Right. And I don't think they exist in certain places that they think they exist in. Yeah. And even if they do, it's it's a smaller group that'll actually pay the money to go see it on the big screen. I, I was going to ask, what if they Brady bunched it? But a more relevant question would be, what if they 21 Jump Streeted it? 
You know what I'm saying? That's possible. That's certainly possible. Because well, you're, you're banking on the audience that is familiar with it. Mm-hmm. So you just go bananas with it, with the raunchy humor and whatnot, right, like right. 21 Jump Street, and just make it ridiculous and well, outlandish. Well, that so, would be in line with Ted. <laughs> true. Sure. Yeah. But Lord Miller were, is that rare uh, artist or uh, uh, creator that can you know remake something in a new and unique and interesting way. How many of them are really out there that mm-hmm. can do it? And uh, you, know, you talk about the remake generation. You're absolutely right, Perry. I'm so tired. To me, I'm so tired of them copping out and going for the safe choice. This is, to me, connected to the corporate nature of what's happened with the studios now. What's going to make money? Something people know. I saw it in the 80s. Boom, do it. In the 80s, we were creating new and unique stuff. Yes, was it nutty? Was it, Would you go back and watch it and go, boy, that was cheesy? Sure, but it was original for us. And so I think we have to start creating newer and more original things in the in the theaters and the product because yeah. it's frustrating to see remakes and remakes and remakes and remakes. Yeah, but I think the thing is you're dealing with a competition <laughs> for your eyes yeah, yeah. unlike ever before. It's a very good point. And so they're trying to go off the safest bet possible every yes. time. In the 80s, like we all had one television in the house, That's true. a phone. You couldn't, if you left the house, no one knew where you were. No one knew where you would roll off for six hours yeah. and come back. Stranger things. That's, that's our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And the theaters, you know, they charge $2 for a ticket. It's true. <laughs> so $1 for a hot dog. It was a, it was a different era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So different kinds of, you know, needs. But I, think, but I think every decade has had their original content. And I want us to create more original content, less remakes. Well, speaking of not original content, let's take one more question from the live chat because it's fun and silly. Rapid fire answers. Yep. Mike is asking if you could be any character in The Lion King, who would you be? <laughs> Rafiki. Easily Rafiki. Yes, you would. I would go. I would go for Rafiki because he's oh, he I did like, like the whole Bruce Lee thing in the middle of the movie. I was yeah. like, that's awesome. I wanted a ten minute scene of Rafiki doing Bruce Lee kicking huh. up, kicking their butts. Yeah, you know. Sometimes I feel like what's the toucan? Oh, oh, oh Zazu. Zazu, yeah. I feel like Zazu with Dorian okay. half the time because I'm trying to keep him from doing dumb things, Uh-oh. but he keeps doing those dumb things and he <laughs> oh, doesn't no. listen to me. And he just goes, so what I can't would, wait to wait, be wait, king. What dog. would that make uh, Dorian then? Dorian is Simba. Absolutely. All right, that turned into a compliment totally in the end. Simba, yeah. I think I would have to pick either Timon or Puma just because I want a friend like either Timon or Puma. Which so, one's the heavy one? That's Pumba? Pumba. Yeah, I'll be Pumba. You I, I, my second choice. Right on my back. <laughs> my, my second choice oh, no. would be Mufasa. Just so I can say, remember who you are. <laughs> there it is. I enjoy that. You got there. All right, guys. So now that you needed that visual in your life, we are done for the day. Roka, yes. Javi, thank you so much thank for being you. here and kicking off the week of Movie Talk Strong. Same to you, Adam and Dorian. You guys rock. Everybody out there, like and share this episode of Movie Talk. Tell everybody you know about us right here on the YouTube channel and in podcast form. And tell them to tune in all week long, live at 3 p.m. PT, just like tomorrow. We'll see you then. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. We'll get back to your music shortly, but first, did you know that prescription prices are different at different pharmacies? You could literally drive across the street and get a different price. That's crazy. But with GoodRx, you can instantly compare prices at every pharmacy in your neighborhood and save up to 80%. You're probably thinking there's a catch, right? Nope. It's 100% free and can save you money whether you have insurance or not. In fact, it can often beat your copay. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance.